Hey, welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you could use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Hey, Toby, how are you? Good, thanks, Robert. Hi, how are you going? We are good. We have got, lost count now of how many days we've got with zero infections and zero deaths. The restrictions are being lifted almost every time you blink. And it's nice to see Melbourne returning back to a bit of its previous self. And, uh, and of course, summer's coming, which is... Uh, indeed, indeed. It's actually been quite hot up here in Sydney. So summer is indeed coming. But of course, we've had the benefit up in New South Wales of uh, not having any cases. And we didn't go into lockdown the same way that Melbourne did. Yeah. So, but it, it's, it's good. I mean, certainly in Australia that we have almost no local infections, although I, I heard one just recently in South Australia. And certainly compared to the United States, where they're getting something oh. now about 150,000 or something thereabouts a day, yeah. Yeah. which is, is um, extraordinary, extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, almost impossible to control. It is. Now, are we ready for this week's podcast? I am ready. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> so we're going to talk about divestments. And the, the thing that's crossed my mind when you mentioned this was that because of COVID-19, there's a lot of stressed businesses out there and they'll be looking at divestiture as a way of releasing capital that they can then use for more targeted growth and things of that nature. And so there'll be a, a swathe of divestment activity taking place and i think one of the things you've always said is that divestments are more complex than acquisitions in the sense that you're not always divesting all of the business it can be a division it can be a product Indeed. line of the business right and so you very often end up in a scenario where you've divested part of the business but you're sharing things like the supply chain or you're sharing warehousing customers even so mm. it, it is another level of complexity on top of acquisitions and and i think your comment when we spoke earlier was you you've got to do a preparedness test you've got to make sure that that your organization is both prepared for divestment and able to see it through is, is that a good summary pretty much so yeah look i mean um i title this are you ready and as you say, Robert, look, there's going to be a lot of divestiture activity over the next few months and the year ahead, certainly going into 2021. And of course, divestitures is a highly profitable way of selling assets. It's a great way to raise capital when it's most needed. But the real question is, and I think for questions, certainly for organizations who haven't done this before, is a very simple question. Are you ready? And I'll tell a quick story because I was working with an organization a couple of years back who were having a real hard time going down this divestiture path. And it really came down to the fact that they had no experience of doing this before and they simply weren't ready. And because they weren't ready enough to do this, the divestiture actually failed and they failed to sell 
their asset. And so it really does pay to do that upfront assessment, asking that fundamental question, are you ready? Now, you've got two or three things that need to be considered at a very high level. And then I think you were going to take us through the the key steps of getting ready for divestment. So let's start at the top level then. If there's a company out there that hasn't done divestiture before and they want to ensure that they're ready, where do we go from here? Well, in actual fact, there are three things we considered. First of all, the complexity of the divestment itself, the, the how complex is this going to be, the complexity of change. The second thing is the complexity of the thing in itself in terms of how complex is this business that's going to be that's uh, put on the chopping block. And then the third thing is the organizational capacity to be able to execute the uh, divestiture. So those are the three things, and it, it is complicated. So, yeah, the first thing, step number one, is just understanding the complexity of the divestiture in itself. Can I throw a, an idea or a, a, yeah. an example in there? And I, I, you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Yeah. I was talking with a colleague some time back about a divestiture, and it was mm. a company divesting a particular dairy-based product line, milk, mm. butters, cheeses, yogurts, that sort of thing. And, of course, you're dealing with products that are temperature sensitive. They have to be kept in cold storage. Mm. And you're dealing with products that have got short shelf life. And this divestiture had to come to a point where, to put it mildly, on a, on a Friday afternoon, the divestiture was going to close and the ownership was going to transfer to the new party. Mm. Uh, and the new party suddenly had a warehouse full of milk and yogurt and cheeses that needed to be delivered to supermarkets yeah. literally at six o'clock the next morning yes but is that a good that's a good example of i, I of think that's a very good example to be honest Robert. because when you think about that just break that down for a second uh, about that selling the yogurts and cheeses the next day you there probably be a hundred two hundred three hundred probably more things that had to be done for example, simple thing like electricity. Well, who's supplying the electricity? And whose name is that being supplied? And, and I can just go on. Um, there, there are so many things that have to happen. And this is what sometimes perhaps chief executive officers don't appreciate. The devil really is in the detail with this. Yeah. And whilst you might want to be able to deliver yogurt and cheese to supermarkets, etc., you have to make sure all those things behind the scenes are indeed working and can switch across to the new owner at an, in an instant. And in fact, that, that's a good example because I know certain supermarkets mm. will only receive deliveries at preset delivery time. So your vehicle has to be there between 7 and 7.45. Yep. Otherwise, otherwise, it doesn't get unloaded. Yes. So all of those complexities of the supply chain and the delivery schedules have to be transferred across to the new owners. Yep. As as part of the divestment. So indeed, uh, indeed. Uh, and uh, yeah, we can go on. So let's break this down into its key steps. Then yep. let's start with the complexity of the change. Number of considerations. I'll keep to be honest, Robert. This is complex, but I'll keep it very brief. It's the questions is to determine the relationship between what is being sold and the parent. In other words, do they share customers? Do they share products and services? Do they share technology? Perhaps finance is not a standalone function. Perhaps that's shared. 
no management reporting or is there management reporting and to work so is that shared do they have a discrete management team you can see where i'm going here yep. supply chain logistics is that shared probably yes maybe not but certainly that adds an extra level of complexity when that happens contracts that bind third parties to the business and the parent together now that needs to be separated out that introduce another complexity what about processes whether it comes to operations regulatory financial hr i go on and then intellectual property patents software trademarks and to what extent those are shared yep i suppose the point i'm making is that when you answer each one of these questions it indicates another level of complexity that guide the scope the time the effort required to divest the business yeah. so it's a case of probing down and i've only answered about 10 i could ask about 50 that guide to what extent you need to manage or understand the work ahead and i could just going back to our example i mean i can see yeah. a scenario where you might have divested your milk yogurt and cheese business hmm. and you now own the distribution of those products but the yep. manufacturer of that product is still done by the parent indeed indeed and that that's where it creates a connection and of course it's all these operational entanglements which really makes things challenging when it comes to divestitures yep. and i would say if the yep. executives of a point are going to point to the biggest thing that makes the divestitures complicated it is all those operational entanglements yeah, and I, I mean, again, what's just popped into my head is, oh, my God, what if you went through that divestiture, but you then didn't have the necessary food hygiene approvals mm. in order to be able to operate that business? So there's, yes. a, there's it's a multi-tiered level of complexity. Okay, so massive examples there, and I'm sure we'll publish this afterwards. Mm. Step two? Yeah, step two is, step one, just by the way, is just to say what's the, that complexity between what is being sold and the parent. Now yeah. we look at the complexity of the, of the business in itself that's being sold. Right. In other words, let's just think about it. Is it a group of companies? Mm -hmm. Is it a standalone legal entity? Is it a multiple connected legal entities? Is it a business unit that is not a legal entity in its own right, but has a distinct reporting to the parent? Is it a loosely defined operational unit? In other words, it actually has no defined organization structure, but yeah. is more like various things that are put together and operates loosely as an operation. I'm reminded back in my early days of GEC, who at the yeah. time were going through a quite a heavy divestment phase, and they were divesting operating units that weren't part of their core business. Hmm. Um, but those operating units weren't legal entities in their own right. They didn't yep. stand up as legal entities. You were essentially selling off assets, intellectual property, and people. Indeed. So I can understand that that's another level of complexity that you need to think about in terms of what you're buying. Indeed. And the, the most complex of all is simply a collection of bits and pieces. In other words, it could be various assets, could be client lists, it could be certain patents it could be a number of things that all go into a box um, and that's probably the most uh, complex of all and at a personal level look i've seen them all i've seen anything from a group of companies being sold all the way through to various bits and pieces which have been pulled together 
and said, well, those are the things we want to divest. And typically, if you're divesting that, that immediately means you're doing an asset sale. So you're not selling shares in a company because there is no company. You're merely selling assets. I'm just, re- I'm just reminded of Nestle at one time that did a divestment of a particular product line. Hmm. And that's that's all that was being sold was the, the product line. But it was a global product. Yep. And Nestle was still the manufacturer of it. Yep. At least in the short term. Hmm. But as you've just said, it, it had no legal entity or right. Yep. It was the product that was being sold. Yep. And all the brands that went with it. So just to, to summarize, you know, in the first step, you've got to look at this and say, how complex is this change? What what exactly is involved here? Yeah. The step two is you've got to look at the complexity of what is being sold and yep. whether it's a distinct business unit or a collection of legal entities or, or whatever. You've you've now, I guess, got to assess the organization's capacity to actually turn that into operational reality. Correct. And I think this is um, possibly the third step and the most important step of all is having understood the complexity of what it is you're divesting is to say, well, look, do we actually have the ability to do this? Are we indeed truly ready? And there's a number of factors here. And a lot of these are soft factors and leadership type factors. Something's just occurred to me, and Mm -hmm. that is that when you're at this stage, Yes, you've got to look at, can we actually do this? Mm. Because what's just occurred to me is you've still got to run your core business. You do. Still running your core business and you're divesting another part of your business at the same time. No, you're right. You're right. And in actual fact, that's the problem I had when I was working with an organization a couple of years back and the story where they were divesting a, a business unit, but the parent company still had you know business to run and yeah. they just didn't have the the bandwidth to put the effort the required effort to divest this business unit and of course most companies don't have previous experience in that area either that's right and if you're going to ask this question do you have the organizational capacity to deliver it the first question is have you done this before because there's nothing like experience M&A is such an experience-driven skill set. If you've done it before, once, twice, three times before, well, then you, you got an understanding as to what you're likely to encounter as you go through the divestiture process. Okay. So number one is having previous experience. Right. Now, if you've got the experience, the, the next question I've got is, is the environment supportive? And this goes back to what you just said earlier on, uh, Robert. For example, if the seller company is struggling, financially struggling in some way, or has got operational problems, overstretched staff, working with curtailed budgets, you can see where I'm going here. Perhaps there's some other activities, other things going on here. It may be that the environment is not that supportive. In other words, the management, the staff don't have the time or even in a sort of in a morale sense, to be able to give it the proper focus it needs. Let's let's just call out the bleeding obvious here. Mm. This is very much going to be the scenario for many companies coming out of post-COVID because they would have been stressed during the COVID period. Uh, mm. They've probably laid people off. Some people may have moved, mm. right? They've got to recover and regrow their business but Mm. they're divesting at the same time so 
they're going to there's going to be lots of companies out there struggling to as you say support divestment yeah. or at least do that with their internal people yeah now this the, now this is the danger here robert because what happens is that the seller finds themselves unknowingly opening themselves up to predatory type buyers who will only cherry pick the assets that they want at the lowest possible purchase price yeah. so you have your corporate raiders and so if you don't have that supportive environment those corporate raiders whether pe companies or whatever will smell that and will take advantage of that situation and basically acquire assets at a, at a price that is no, certainly no premium but it'd be more like a far sale yeah yeah okay Let's move on to uh, the next piece of advice. Next piece of advice is, do you have the resources? People, equipment, place, money, anything that's needed to run the deal. Look, for example, like divestitures, like any initiative, takes up staff time, budgets, and you need to put the staff time up and also the budget because it, it, you need to spend money in order to make money. And so with a divestiture, you need to be able to spend up front and put budget aside to actually uh, make sure that the business is future ready for a potential buyer. In other words, make sure it's like operationally yep. there, the unit is defined, you've got the quality of earnings in terms of clear accounts, you set the tax structure up, so on and so forth. Yep. Uh, again, I can think of an example. Uh, Dunlop at one time divested mm. part of its business mm. to another company. And what they actually did was they unbolted equipment and people mm. from the operating floor, from the manufacturing floor, and reassembled it all in a separate building mm. that was still part of the Dunlop site. And then they just built a fence between the two. And that, that made sure that the assets that were being divested were all moved into one physical location. Yep, that sounds good. Yep. And that was a clean separation. And the fence yep. down the middle allowed the acquiring company to actually pick up that operation and run with it without impacting what Dunlop were doing next door. <clears throat> now, they can't always do that, but... And in this case, that was done relatively quickly and easily. Yep. But again, the timeline on this stuff is something that you need to be able to do this, these sort of deals quickly. You do indeed, indeed. And that's the next thing uh, I wanted to go on to, Robert, was execution yeah. timeline. Because the name of the game when it comes to divesting a business is do it with speed. You've got to be acting quick. In other words, you want to start from beginning to a sale in, say, three months or six months or nine months, but not a year, not one and a half years, not two years. So it's got to be fast. But there's a danger here as well, because if the transaction speed is too aggressive, yeah. then the seller really is at risk of making suboptimal decisions. And that can have a catastrophic impact that can plague the parent for years, and it will dilute deal value as well. So got to be very careful that we make it fast, but don't make it a fire sale. And I guess that loops back to having the supportive environment again. Indeed. You, you, you need to do things with a, a modicum of urgency or speed, hmm. but also with an underpinning of caution that you do things properly and they're done to a level of quality within a, a fairly aggressive timeline. So again, it comes back down to 
supporting it, having the right resources available so that you can execute. And, and to your point earlier, I, I usually say if your divestment program is taking longer than six months, you, it's either very complex or you need to take another look at whether you're dragging this out too quick, too long. Exactly, exactly. Too, too long is just as dangerous as doing it incredibly aggressively short. It has to be a measured approach when doing this. Yeah, and, and of course, it's, it's something you've got to be committed to. Indeed, indeed. And actually, talking about commitment, actually, Robert, it, and I'll take this, this is my last point, is that there does need to be commitment. You need to have a sponsor who's committed and a separation manager who's on the on the job working full time to help to help steer the entire exercise. And I think this commitment is quite important because you want to make sure that the staff who are working in the business don't feel alienated. They that they've got to make sure they're being treated fairly and also that they're going to benefit personally uh, as they go along through the to hold the divestor process. So otherwise you're going to be met up with resistance. So it comes down to treating the staff fairly and framing the divestiture as as an opportunity for staff as well which benefits themselves but also the business that they work for okay now i'm going to put you on the spot now because yeah. i know that the next thing you're going to talk about is sponsorship right so so tell me why you've got sponsorship as a separate entity and that isn't coming under supportive environment <laughs> well Sponsorship is incredibly important because when I say sponsorship, to be honest, I'm talking about leadership here. Someone who can set, clarify, and align expectations, objectives, and milestones. This person has to be candid all the time when it comes to talking with staff and making sure that accountability is accepted and also making sure that there's time put aside for meetings, reviews, checkpoints, town hall sessions, because yeah. there's a high degree of emotional commitment that needs to be done to see the whole divestiture through. And that's why the whole uh, sponsorship is, is so critical. And so that person really is the chairman of the, of the divestment. Yeah, that person could be the uh, manager, actually, of the company to be divested, of the uh, business yeah. to be divested. And yeah. that's more likely to be the case, Yeah, that that person is going on the journey with all the staff. That's right. And they're steering the emotional process as well as the business process of the divestment. Yep. But you've always talked as well about a a person called a separation manager. Yes, what does one of those do when you come across them in the high street? <laughs> well, I think a separation manager is a bit like the um, conductor of an orchestra. When it comes to playing a musical piece, when you've got your horns, your winds, your violins, percussion, it's making sure that it all works in a synchronized way so everybody understands their bit they got to play. And so there does need to be a conductor. Right. And that's what the separation manager is. So, so that person, playing. he or she, is the conductor. Yeah, and everyone's playing the same tune. Exactly. Right Indeed. And that's that's the whole. And it all comes down to a certain rhythm of working. Let me just throw a, a point in here. More strategic, more emotional. The separation manager, more operational. Yeah, that's a kind of a good way. You can often think of the sponsor being the mind and the the separation manager being being the hands. 
So, and that's probably a good analogy as well. And then when you say the hands, you to take that a metaphor further, that that separation manager has got the stick you do in the conducting, (laughs) the baton. The baton. The baton, baton. yeah. (laughs) Weighing in, everybody's basically playing their piece according to the the sheet of music. Well, you've just reminded me of something else, which is what about the people? I mean, we've talked about this all the way through in terms of a mm. process and the importance of uh, sponsorship and steerage and stuff like that. But in a lot of these divestments, there's people involved. Indeed, indeed. And I think it's important that people are taken along the journey so that they're not, forget- they're not forgotten about and that what they see is something that's an opportunity for themselves and not just the business because that way you'll get the commitment from those people who will work with you to help divest the business and also to connect up with the new owners. Okay. So that's been quite a good run through of divestitures. I've been really pleased with myself in the way that I've been feeding you the intros to each section there. I thought I thought I did a great job. <laughs> so let's, let's wrap this up. Lessons. Okay. Look, to be honest, uh, Robert, I think this podcast has actually been quite a complex one because it is a reasonably complex topic. And what I say to anybody divesting a business is one simple question, are you ready? So take the time and the effort just to make sure before you leap, just ask yourself, how complex is this going to be? How complex is our relationship between us and the unit to be divested? And then how complex is that unit? And that's what we've been talking through. And then finally, do we have the ability to actually execute this? Very frank self-assessment. And do this before you start making mistakes or spending lots of money or indeed lose lots of money through a failed divestiture. So it's very important to ask these questions. And so I fundamentally put it this way. More preparation means more value. The more you prepare, the more you're going to get. Now, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I'm sure I've heard that phrase. <laughs> well, to be honest, Robert, I've, I've spoken a number of times on divestitures because I've done a lot. Uh, it's an area that fascinates me, yeah. primarily because there's a lot of organizations who don't get the premium they seek when they're divesting a business. And that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do a massive capital raise. And often it's done suboptimally. I, I've just got a vision in my head. I can see a book on a bookshelf uh, in a bookstore sometime in the near future, and it's written by Toby Tester, and the title of the book is More Preparation, More Value. <laughs> more Preparation, More Value. <laughs> Toby, I think that's a wrap today. I think we've done that a real good justice. The challenges of asking yourself, are you ready for divestment? And I think we can put that one to bed. We've, we've given some strong lessons there and I think it's just time to do our usual say that we will be back next week with another podcast and for now bye for now goodbye